So it was written a few years after Jesus walked this earth, after his death and resurrection, and uh, a lot of the New Testament then written uh, is often letters to churches, to Christians, and Peter's letter is written to uh, sort of churches that are scattered around a bit, not one particular church, but churches in an area, and he calls them at the start of his letter that they're elect and exiles, and we sort of looked at that a bit, and how elect... These are odd words, you might say, and actually Tim was sharing some of the exiles, the foreigners, the travellers sort of sense earlier in the worship. So elect, we are the people of God. He has chosen us. We're on God's team. It's always great when you get picked for something, isn't it? Well, God has picked you. You're elect. You could give like an amen or a hallelujah to that if you're pleased that God God wanted you. Even though there was nothing good in us, but he's so lovely, he wanted us. We're elect. But we're also exiles. We're travelling through. This is not our home. It's a word taken from the Old Testament and the Jews, where the Jews were uh, dispersed at one point from Jerusalem, from Israel. The Babylonians invaded them. They all get kicked out. Uh, It was a very messy affair. And they're scattered over different nations. And writers in the Old Testament start talking of being like the exiles. And the hope was set that they wouldn't stay living where they were living, but they would one day come back to Jerusalem, their home. And so that sense for us, only of course it's not Jerusalem, or any kind of physical uh, place that should be on our hearts, but the fact that we are passing through this world with purpose, with a heart set in heaven, if you like. Being a God, not to get too captured, too ensnared, too enamoured with the stuff going on around us, because actually we're heading somewhere different. We're elect and we're exiles. And then you could say the first, so next few verses in, in chapter 1 of uh, Peter, he says a bit more about uh, us being elect. He talks about how great our God is and how great our salvation is. And just say, if you're ever feeling like a bit, bit down about woe is me and who am I and stuff, then the, fir- the start of uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 is excellent stuff. So he talks about how God has given us a new birth, a new start. Does that sound pretty good? Some of us think about how our old lives were, the things we'd been up to, the, the sort of avenues we got ourselves stuck in. You met Jesus, new birth, new start. You give like a hallelujah or something if you wanted to, if you're pleased at all for what Jesus has done. He says we've now got a living hope. Hallelujah. A living hope. It's pretty good, isn't it? We have glorious joy. It's obviously not in the room today. Maybe it is, but no. We do. He's given us glorious joy, hasn't he? Deep in our hearts. Glorious joy, he has enabled us to have the salvation of our souls, which is quite Christian-sounding language, but aren't we glad he has rescued us, our souls, our very being. And that's that, though, all those phrases are in the sort of first part of um, chapter 1, it kind of has got the sense of we're elect, we're God's chosen people. Uh, and then some of the talks we've had, Philip and Rebecca, and then today, it's maybe got a bit more sense of the exile again, and some of the verses we just read. So then he says, okay, exiles, be holy because God is holy. It's different. It's not like, the, oh, okay, Whew. be holy, because God is holy. And then Rebecca last week, because God is a, an impartial father, live in fear. Well, that's different. That's not like the people around us. That's not blending in. That's living exile. That's living with hope, being forward, live in fear. And at the start of this one, it says we're to love one another, to love one another. Now, actually, this first verse here, um, verse 22, you have purified yourselves by obeying the, the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Um, 
is actually slightly debatable. As you read different, if you read a few different Bible versions, it will angle this passage slightly differently. The overall meaning is the same, and if you read uh, a few commentaries, it seems they can't entirely agree on the, the real, the, the definite thrust of what Peter's saying. But so, see, it doesn't make a massive amount of difference to what he's after in the heart. So, in some ways, the, this is the New International Version, uh, which captures uh, one aspect of this. So it talks about, um, we purified ourselves by obeying the truth. Now, one of the key questions there, what does uh, Peter mean when he says obeying the truth? Is it that because we've heard the gospel and we've responded to the good news of Jesus obediently, that's the obeying the truth and therefore God has purified us, which definitely is true. The Bible says that's true, so it could definitely be that. Or is it more that because we're Christians, we then want to follow God's truth for our lives and live correctly and right, and in that sense be those that are living pure lives, which is also true of what we should do. And actually, the sense is, nobody's entirely sure exactly what is after, but it doesn't really matter, because we've got to do both of them, right? That's what's happened to us. And therefore, when it comes to love, both aspects of that are true in the sort of second bit of that verse. So we have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For those of us who are Christians in the room where we've encountered Jesus and we love Jesus back because it's what he's done for us, we now love God, Part and parcel of God's transformation of our lives is we then love each other. That's built into us, if you like. It's put into us in our new birth, in our living hope, in our glorious joy. We love one another. It cannot not be anything but, because it's like God. We sort of, he's changing us. And so we do love one another, and yet, of course, the then the stirring is, so love one another deeply and sincerely. We've got to act out on it and grow into it and be become mature and practice it. And of course, that can be really challenging at times, can't it? So it is in you, and therefore we must live that way. I was saying, um, encouraged uh, over the past few weeks, one of our church members, not encouraged about this first bit, uh, she's had to have an operation, and uh, it's a fairly large operation. She's recuperating at home once she's back out of hospital. And as happens quite frequently in City Hope, uh, the Connect Group and various others around, but kind of gone through her Connect Group, they've cooked meals for her because you've really got to rest up, can't do much, and there's a meal rota started, a very practical application of love. The church is called to be a loving community, isn't it? Caring for each other, helping one another. And, uh, you know, in fact, if I'll do a quick, who's ever been on the receiving end of meals through the church on some kind of road to stick your hand up here? Look at that. So some of you are thinking, what? what's happened to me? You know, so maybe <laughs> praise God you've never been ill or something like that. Please don't worry about it. But it, just one illustration that actually this is a loving church, a loving community. Phil actually kicked, kicked off, didn't he? It's quite provoking. It makes you feel uncomfortable. We love, it. We love ourselves here. Ooh, you know, but because of God's, God's love. And it's changed us, therefore we love each other. And it works itself out. And thank you. Um, and can I say, if you're not in a connect group, get involved in one of the connect groups and the communities. That's yeah. where you get to know people. It's where you can make meals for somebody. If you've never made a meal for somebody, why have you never made a meal? That was a way you can be in the receiving end, of course, but it's where you get to know people and love can be worked out. But, but clearly this is, in a sense, you know, not just that practical side of things, though it must work out that, but a real challenge uh, to us, deep in the hearts, to really love, uh, you know, sincerely. 
There are people in the church that rub you up the wrong way, their personalities clash, or that's maybe putting it politely. And uh, yet, in our heart, as you sort of engage with God, you think, no, but I love them. They love me. We work this through. And to, and to be challenged about working it out in our heart. So that's like another sort of exile kind of picture. We're not like... Um, in sense, people in the world do exhibit love, but a real deep, sincere love from the heart that only comes, I would say, through a transformation of Jesus. Jesus himself said to his disciples, and therefore just, that we were to love each other like he himself has loved us. Okay? That's an exile picture. That's somebody that's separate, been called out of the world, yet still in the world, to receive that from Jesus, to love each other like he himself has loved us, sacrificially. How's Jesus loved us? By leaving heaven, coming to earth, being obedient to God, giving his life for us, shedding his blood for us, raising again, adopting us into his family. We're supposed to love like that. A deep, sincere love. Some theologians, I think it was a guy called Bonhoeffer, but probably others have claimed it as well, uh, have called love the ultimate apologetic for Christians, meaning... Uh, because Jesus said in that verse, love like I've loved you, and then the world will know that I have sent you. As, as we build real, and continue to build, real genuine community of love as exhibited to the world, uh, then actually the world will see, that's God, that is. That's something that is not out there. Holiness, it's not in the world. Fear of God, it's not in the world. Actually, love, it's not in the world. It's only in the community of God. The love of Jesus is... Nowhere, it's nowhere else. It's only in the church, and that's what we're called to be like, to love each other deeply. And in fact, just going back to the meals illustration, that sense, very, very practical. I remember uh, they've, they've moved on from the church, now moved away where a lady, a family were in the church, but the husband wasn't. Baby came along, all the meals got cooked, really bowled him over. It was one of the triggers for him going, what, the, what is this, people? What's going on? He ends up coming to church and doing some alphas and exploring the whole thing as a result of it. Love makes a difference, doesn't it? And we want to be a loving people. So then uh, Peter is now concluding this sort of first chapter, this sense of uh, sort of uh, electing exiles again. And he really wants to strengthen this group of Christians who are scattered and, as we'll talk about a little bit more, are facing real pressures in life from the society around them, which is why we've been using 1 Peter's illustration of the sense of us, the people of God, but in a post-Christian society a society that is around us that is not really like what we're supposed to be. And I'm hoping uh, to help introduce this next section. Uh, Paul has got something for us. Who remembers this? Ah. Oh. Search your heart, guys. Search your soul. The lighters are coming out, I can see, yeah. All right, that's enough. Thank you. What would you rather have, me or Brian Adams? I don't want to know. Uh, just. So what was the song? Who knows? You can call that. Surely it's a few people. Even I know this one. I'm not. Everything I do, I do it for you. What, what's um, kind of significant? It, well, it's probably those things you can say here. But what's significant about that song? It was number one forever. 
It was number one forever. That's right. It's still got the record. It was almost beaten a little while back from a guy I've never heard of because I'm not that uh, 15 which starts. Brian Adams, everything I do, I do it for you. 1991. I do remember this. Um, and, um, and I have it, yes, as well. And, um, um, and um, it, it was at number one for 16 weeks. It just went on forever, didn't it? I mean, it was just, and even that, the film, Robin Hood, Princess Thieves, it was very, just a good film, but it just, you couldn't get away from it for a while. It just went on for flipping forever. <laughs> By the way, if you were sort of, you're remembering that, it was bringing it all back up. We got off lightly in the UK. In Canada, it's still number one. No, it's not still, no, it's not. In, in Canada, because he's Canadian, 39 weeks at number one, apparently. Just awful. But you see, this is the point. <laughs> You know, the things we build, the things we do, almost human, and let's say in some ways definitely human arrogance, and, and hu we feel like what we do instinctively is around forever, like we are something, like it's going to last, like it's really going to mean something. And in actual fact, it's not true. All people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field, even Brian Adams faded the song it just doesn't like it goes eventually i just brought it back for a bit there something of the glory the rim but the grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of the lord endures forever Amen. these christians that peter's writing to in a society that was uh, more hostile to the christian faith than than our society and one of our challenges is yes in different aspects our society around us is increasingly in different ways getting uh, more hostile, you might say, to the Christian faith and to Christian values and to us living out our faith and certainly living out publicly. And it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. And the go what these guys were facing was m more severe. And again, actually, scholars debate the date of the, the uh, book a bit, but it would have been maybe around AD 63 and maybe uh, official persecution is at least looming on the horizon for them if it hasn't already happened to them. And there's real pressure from society. They're, it's obviously brand new. It's not post-Christian. They're the brand new Christians around them. And uh, it must have felt tense at some point, small, fledgling. Can we last? Will we make it? Are we going to see the course out, the might of the Roman Empire? We still cover it in schools, the Roman ruins around, the might of the Roman Empire is what ruled the day. There's no Roman Empire now, but the church is still here. Amen. The word of the Lord endures forever. But in the moment, they must have needed that, they must have felt that. You have been born again, guys, the elect, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. It's God has spoken into our lives. And, and this week can be in, it's a sense of, yes, we're now saved for eternity. It's probably coming out. You know, one day we will die, but we will see him face to face. We will live. If you're born again by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, then actually we have a hope in heaven. We do have a living hope. We don't fear death in that sense. We will endure. But sort of more than that, more than that, the people of God, the church, God has established something that will endure, that will last because it's built on him and what he says and how encouraging must that have been how strengthening for these guys and how encouraging for us when maybe we feel 
out in the world, if you like, at work, like you can be going under from the pressures around you. You know, on a Sunday, we're loving it. We're elect, living hope, glory, glory, Jesus. And Monday morning, you just don't feel like you're the elect. You don't march into work or get the kids up in the school. I'm the elect. I have a living hope. I've got glorious joy. Do you announce that as you walk into the office in the morning? Or just, but it maybe doesn't always feel that way. But Peter's saying, but no, but no, you are established. You are on the enduring word of God. It's living and enduring. You are chosen. You are elect. Get it into you. Get the truth into you. Stay strong. You can last. You can go the distance. We can, if you like. And so, so really practically, read your Bibles. The word of God. This quote here, all people like grass, that's from the Old Testament in Isaiah Peter would have definitely considered the word of God, the scriptures, the Bible, if you like, to be the Old Testament. Uh, obviously, the words of Jesus would accept it. Peter actually elsewhere talks about some of Paul's letters, New Testament letters. We now have it. It's what we call the Bible. It's basically the, the reason I actually brought my paper Bible with me. I wanted to wave it around now. It's often we read on phones and, and gadgets, don't we? But the word of God, read it. When you don't feel elect, or when you do feel like it as well, like God's chosen me, Philip, but read the word, establish your life on this, let it change you, let it build into you. You know, tomorrow morning and you get up whatever time you have to and you're not feeling full of the joys of the Lord, as they say. To, you know, great time if you can. Get the Bible out. It can be challenging, can't it? Time and, uh, uh, and, you know, even a couple of verses. No, no. I'm built on this. It's who God says I am is what is important. It's not how I feel. It's not what others are saying of me. Get uh, get it established into us. Read the word, remember it, believe it. But I think as well these verses also um, you know, strongly encourage us. They clearly give us, or should as well, a sense of um, humility and need before God, whose word is living and enduring and endures forever. We don't, uh, in one sense, but we probably don't, we don't feel like it. We don't sort of march around as Christians now. We're the people of God. We're the imperishable ones. You guys, everyone else, you're the perishable ones. Ha, ha, ha. You know, it's not that. It doesn't, we're also still human in that sense. We're still somehow also contained in the verses. Our glory, if we're not careful, is like grass. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Okay, as exiles, as we're walking through uh, you know, the sort of the world is where we get distracted, we get enamored, we're not on the word of God. We're like, oh, I'm, I'm drifting over here. This has caught my attention, sort of worldly stuff, and, and I'm not, I've forgotten I'm an exile passing through. And actually, suddenly it's like, what, what are we doing? We're not, we're not basing it on what's permanent. We're not living the imperishable that God's called us to. We've not do it following his word in that sense, established lives that way. And of course, in many ways, that happens to us probably in a myriad of occasions every single day as we look to follow God and, you know, in our thoughts and our mind and our um, you know, thoughts, mind, heart, actions. And so it's a humility here saying, oh, it's not us, we're the people of God as such. We are the people of God, we are the elect, but it's not just like, ta-da, as if just that's it. We've got to follow God's word. We've got to obey it. In, in some ways, in a very similar illustration, Jesus, after um, what we call the Sermon on Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, at the end of it, uh, people are amazed at his teaching. He tells a parable, he said, uh, everyone who's heard these words of mine and does them is like the wise man that builds his house on a rock. The storms of life come, but he lasts. Everyone that hears these words of mine and doesn't do them it's like the foolish man that builds his house on the sand. The storms come and bam, you're gone. 
And there's a humility of what do we need? We need the word of God. And so obviously reading it and getting in us and encouraging each other uh, with it, uh, being in the people of God and building each up in the word of God, but doers of it. It's not some just like automatic thing. He has chosen us. We can be secure in that and therefore he is encouraging us. God, our Father, wants us to live his way, doesn't he? To, uh, to, you know, to, to, to build our lives on his word. The gospel that has preached us the good news of Jesus to, to know that our lives are shaped and changed by that for those of us who have responded to Jesus and have given our lives to him. And then say so as a, a, a people together, as we just sort of conclude that series, and we've been, say, going to keep talking about almost the sense of people of God in a post-Christian, excuse me, society. Uh, you know, w- what's post-Christian society? It's sort of debatable in some ways, but you go back whenever a number of years, half a generation, whatever, and Christianity in the UK had quite a privileged place. Uh, It sort of had, um, you know, more primacy over other ways of thinking, just to have the sense of being Christian was sort of viewed, maybe not totally, obviously, university, but uh, sort of, yeah, more positively, and it kind of, almost like Christianity opened doors in certain ways, and some of the values, if you like. I was hearing a debate uh, on the radio about what do you do with RE lessons in schools in our multicultural, pluralistic, secular society because in many ways schools still have sort of Christianity as quite a solid tenant of their religious education and, um, and other stuff fits around that. People are starting to say, well, why is, why is it Christianity that is the sort of almost the starting one? It didn't used to be questioned that type of thing. It just used to be in. And... Uh, again, although it's sort of debatable, the, one of the phrases that people talk about Christendom, that kind of almost like Christian world, where something of Christianity, even if it's just a bit of a shell of it at times, and the values of it seem to just sort of be fixed around society. And it's not like that anymore, uh, by and large, and hence the phrase post-Christian. And that can make living as a Christian in many respects more difficult. And I'm sure many of you know that and see that in your work situations or with family members or whatever. Uh, But it doesn't mean that everything of Christendom or beforehand was like really good or positive. We're not trying to like just have the sort of the primacy in things and kind of stamp the sort of external marks of Christianity on the world and sort of force it into the boxes somehow we think, you know, Christian life's supposed to look like or something like that. No, we want kingdom values and kingdom heart that infiltrates. Jesus tells parables of like uh, yeast working through dough and the kingdom expanding that way. It's not external stuff, it's internal heart stuff. And what we're after in that sense is being a people of the word, genuinely living out, established on him, genuinely reflecting God's heart through his word. Not kind of establishing it as an external thing, isn't it? And so that's what's on our heart. And sometimes in the prayer meetings, we pray, Lord, we want to get back to our sort of almost like Christian world of the past. And I understand the sentiment and the heart, but I'm not sure that's really what we should be looking for, if you like, or that it will ever happen. But it is the word of God that will endure. It isn't anything else in that sense. All other human glory will fade away. So we want to be, and there's a church in this area, people of the word, the people of God are a people of the words. It can't be any other way, letting it shape our lives, knowing it, encouraging each other in it. And that's what will bring about transformation to others. That's what people will see. And that's what people need, though they don't want it 
in that sense. It's almost the word of God. People say they like our love. They want us to do our loving acts in society. You know, we run a food bank and a debt counselling thing here, and people like it when the Christians do that sort of thing. They don't like hearing the word so much, do they? Holiness and fear of God. They don't want that. But there's no other options, really. It's got to be the word of God. It's the only thing that will last. It's the only thing that will establish us. And that can be difficult at times. But it's what we want to be, isn't it? Amen. 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 Really practically on the... um, We're going to get the band up, please, and we're going to worship. We've got plenty of time, actually. It's great. So if the band could be coming up, that'd be brilliant. Uh, Just reading your Bible. On the uh, welcome desk... There are some Bible reading plans, the sort of ones that I use, they're just uh, a slip of paper. If you sort of think, I don't know where to start reading my Bible, anything you think, and I want to get more into it, the Word of God, letting it shape my life, then uh, you might want to grab one of those, and it's sort of a Bible reading plan to take you through the Bible in 18 months, Old Testament uh, once, New Testament twice. That's just one of the things you could do. If you really think, I don't even know where to begin reading my Bible, and it really is in that sense important. Please obviously get in a connect group, you'll be encouraged in those places and everything, but maybe get a connect card, fill out your details, say you'd like to really know more. We uh, have an intro to the Bible course, which helps people get to grips with it, so you could, we invite you to the next one of those. Um, But can we encourage each other in the words? And keep being a loving community, keep cooking meals for each other and all the rest of it. We'd like to stand, I'd like to, uh, to pray for us, and we'll keep worshipping. We're God's elect, we're God's exiles. Sometimes, like the guys Peter was writing to, um, you know, society around us can be quite in conflict, it can be uh, difficult and tough. Uh, But we are God's people. He loves us. We've got glorious joy, we've got his salvation, and we can stand on the word of God, can't we? So, Jesus, we thank you for all you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for choosing us, Lord, that in that sense we are on your team. Lord, that we have been chosen in Christ even before the foundation of the world. Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord God, that uh, we have been chosen by you, Lord. So many of us in this room, we are so grateful, Lord God. Uh, Lord, and we thank you, your choosing of us is greater, Lord God, than, and than any sort of influence uh, outside of that in the world, Lord, even when it seems pressured and antagonistic, we do declare that your words over us are greater, Lord Jesus. We choose to listen to them. We are your chosen people. You have given us salvation. You have given us joy. Lord God, we say help us live well as your people. Lord, like exiles passing through. Lord, being winsome to those around us, but not getting enamoured with the ways of the world. Lord, we know, Lord God, that there is a real sense in which this world is passing away. Lord God, one day it will be rolled up and and sort of done away away with. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. You are an amazing, uh, awesome God. Lord, and you have a great plan. We say help us as your people live right in the light of that. In Jesus' name, amen.